0: Welcome to the Jazz Notes Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Anderson. A very happy Friday to you as we are midway through the preseason, uh, a little more than midway through training camp. The Jazz will have two more home games coming up uh, on Monday and Wednesday. Then they will have a week off before they face the Oklahoma City Thunder in their season opener at Vivint Arena. You can find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. Read me at kslsports.com. Appreciate everybody who does that. Make sure again to follow me on all social media. Instagram, Twitter, wherever you're looking for me, at Ben's Hoops and KSL Sports. Find KSL Sports on Twitter. Uh, Download the app right now. Really an easy way to get all of our content. Uh, Super fun. And then it's just going to get even easier uh, now that uh, we are in affiliation with the Zone Sports Network. Very exciting there to have a sports radio station at KSL Sports. So it's just going to keep growing and getting better. Make sure you download the app right now. It's available in your app store. Just search KSL Sports. All right, as I like to do every week, it is a Jazz mailbag answering some of your questions, especially now as we've had a couple of games to watch, seen some of the new players, uh, and I think some fans are uh, interested in figuring out what's going on with the team. You can always tweet at me your questions. I leave my DMs open on Twitter if you want to reach out to me that way. That's a good way to say, hey, I thought about this. I didn't want to wait until you you know, asked for it on Friday. Can you address it on the podcast? Or usually I'll just respond to you privately if you have a question about the team. I try and be... Uh, As honest and candid as I can about those things. So I appreciate everyone who follows me. Let's go ahead and get started. I think uh, this one was going to go in a pretty obvious direction. After seeing how good Jared Butler looked, in fact, I got a couple of questions. Glenn Anderson tweeted at me, no relationship there. Uh, I've got a couple of more questions on Jared Butler. And basically, King Gold's Chain uh, also asked, Basically, is, is Jared Butler going to find his way into the rotation? He's had an absolutely terrific first two games with the Jazz, uh, led the team in scoring his first game at 16 points, which wasn't a huge output, uh, but you know it was pretty impressive, especially because 14 of those came in the second half. Then he was absolutely fabulous, I thought, uh, in the Jazz last game against Dallas when he had 22 points in the second half. He was just dominant. Everything he did at Baylor seemed to translate pretty flawlessly to what he's doing now uh, with the Jazz, and you know I think that's what you hope for when you draft a kid who's a junior and who's been in college for a little bit. You hope that he can come in and produce a little bit, even if he has you know lacks a few of the things that uh, that might have made other guys lottery picks, namely for Jared, you know, incredible athleticism. He doesn't have great length, but he certainly has it between the ears, uh, and he's got a very very impressive skill set. So. Let's look at the Jazz nine-man rotation and, and you know I don't need to go through it too heavily. We know who it are, who it is. They've got uh, four guards in Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, and Jordan Clarkson. They've got three forwards as soon as Rudy Gay comes back on the floor. It's going to be uh, Royce O'Neal and Boyan Bogdanovich will start. Rudy Gay is going to be your third. Uh, and that's seven players. And then, of course, you have your two bigs, Rudy Gobert is number one, and Hassan Whiteside most likely number two. So that's your nine guys. Quinn Snyder likes nine guys. He's even talked about it in the preseason already. He's going to stick with nine guys. It's just really hard to break a rotation. Uh, so what he usually does is wait till blowouts or, or, you know, kind of the ends of a couple of quarters, sometimes the end of the first quarter and third quarter. We've seen him play Mieoni to expand his rotation to 10 here and there just to get some of those guys' experience on the floor. You could see that for a guy like Jared Butler. But here's the other thing. I think we entered the year, I know I did, with this just kind of foregone conclusion that Eric Paschal was going to be the 10th man for the Jazz and might even be able to find minutes behind Rudy Gay as the backup forward, and you find a way to get him on the floor. And maybe that's still the case. He hasn't been the Jazz 10th best player, though, in preseason. And, of course, we haven't seen Joe Ingles. We haven't seen Rudy Gobert yet. Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, uh, Hassan Whiteside have each only played one game. Rudy Gay hasn't played. Boyan Bogdanovich hasn't played. So you know, there's there's a lot we have not seen with this team. But generally, for the most part, it's guys that that we know what they're going to offer. So what happens with the Jazz tenth man? As I mentioned, I think we assumed it was going to be Eric Paschal coming in, and then my guess was that Trent Forrest, who was so good in summer. Was going to be battling it out with Jared Butler to see who would get kind of those fifth guard minutes, and those fifth guard minutes could be really important because you can rest Donovan Mitchell, you can rest Mike Conley, you can rest Jordan Clarkson, you can rest Joe Ingles. You know, you could rotate those for a game throughout the season if you wanted to, and give the fifth guard minutes every single night as kind of the fourth guy, and you could give him fifteen to twenty minutes a night pretty easily uh i think if you just kind of increase the other players minutes and that way you're not putting too heavy of a burden on a young player but you could really get those guys on the floor as often as you wanted while while giving everybody a little bit of a break if you wanted to do it you know every two or third three games for each of these players you could rest and still probably get you know 60 games out there for for jared butler or trent forrest to get you know 15 minutes a night. And that's a lot. That's a very good rookie season. That's very productive. So I think you could still do that. You could still rest those guys. But also, Quinn Snyder's kind of showing a a few different variations in his rotation that that we haven't seen a whole lot before, uh, especially with the types of lineups he's playing. And now, again, they've had so many players that are injured, and it's the preseason, so it really doesn't matter. But he's been playing three guard lineups, which he didn't do a lot of last year, Uh, And he certainly didn't do unless it was a case of injury. And that may be why he's doing it this season very well. But, you know, at times he rolled out Donovan Mitchell, Jared Butler, and Jordan Clarkson playing small forward uh, already so far in this season, and then had Royce O'Neal and Hassan Whiteside in the front court. He also started the last game with Trent Forrest and Jordan Clarkson and Mieone on the floor. Uh, And those guys are three guards that that he all uh, gave minutes to at the beginning of the game. So maybe we see more opportunities with three guards instead of that fourth forward that I'd potentially talked about with Eric Paschal getting on the floor, maybe you just do play a fifth guard and you move one of your other guards, say Jordan Clarkson or Joe Ingles, Joe Ingles specifically because he's so big, you could move him up to be kind of your fourth forward and give him seven minutes a game there and that will get Jared Butler on the floor for a few minutes uh, in each half. And that just gives him a chance to develop. And if, then if he's playing good, you make room for him. You know, that's what Quinn Snyder did with with Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell was so good at summer league, was pretty good in preseason. And then if you remember as a rookie, he was just dreadful early in his career. Had some really, really bad games. Had a couple of very inefficient games. And at one point, Quinn Snyder just kind of realized, hey, I'm going to stick with this guy. He's going to be out there. We're going to give him some big minutes. And it wasn't that far into his career. I mean, it was it was fewer than 20 games. And then he exploded. And I think he had a 20-point game against the Clippers early followed it up with a bad game, bounced back, and then he was just absolutely terrific. So what Quinn Snyder has been willing to show, he did this also with Rudy Gobert uh, when the Jazz had the favors and then his Cantor starting lineup and then ended up uh, adjusting it to put Gobert in the starting lineup. If you're one of the top guys, if you're one of the most talented players on the team, he's going to find a way to get you on the floor. Uh, So I I think if Jared Butler proves that he belongs in those top nine guys or even top 10, he's going to get minutes. And I think because he's so valuable... Uh, about what his future is and that he actually can help the team right now with his ability to score and he's a pretty good defensive player and he does give you some options at the trade deadline if you wanted to move a piece because you thought Jared Butler was so good and ready to help you win right now to save some money there's a lot of value there too so my guess even though I wouldn't have thought this before the preseason my guess is you see Jared Butler playing I don't think it's 15 minutes a night to start I think it's a few minutes here and there But what you've seen so far, the way he does things with such, you know, excellent pace and control, uh, I think you're going to see him on the floor. And I think he's probably too valuable if he continues to play like this over the next couple of games to not find a way to develop further. And yeah, you're going to have the stars and that can certainly be helpful for him, but if he's ready to play right away and is ready to play at a high level and especially is ready to help your team win, the Jazz are not in a spot to be passing on wins. They're not in a spot to be saying, hey, yeah, you're talented, but we don't need you to make us better. The Jazz do need to get better. We know that's the case. They were good last year, and there's still room for growth because they didn't win a championship. So I think that I, I think that's something that we can see. Uh, see the jazz do and and certainly see the jazz incorporate jared butler into the rotation and if he's earned it quinn snyder's not the type of guy who's not going to give it to somebody who's putting in the work i would also say you know if we thought pascal was going to be the guy keep an eye on uh, elijah hughes one of the things that the jazz are going to need to do if especially if they do play small and they play five guards which means three guard lineups at a time you're going to need to be able to rebound and the jazz don't have great rebounding guards but I do think a guy like Elijah Hughes, who's come out and rebounded pretty well in his first two preseason games, because he's got such a big body. If he can rebound, we know Royce O'Neal can rebound. Rudy Gobert is a great rebounder. Hassan Whiteside's a surprisingly good rebounder. Quinn Snyder already kind of talked about it in the preseason that his defensive rebounding rate is usually above, uh, usually among the top five in the NBA. If he can rebound, and you can kind of get some of those big man stats uh, at a higher average than what those guys usually put out, then you can go a little bit smaller. So. Uh, if Elijah Hughes can rebound, he might make it easier actually to play some small lineups. So he could work his way into the rotation as well. He's been much better than I expected uh, through the first two games of the preseason. All right. Horace on Twitter. Do Jordan Clarkson's teammates like playing with him? He seems like he's well-liked by the other guys, but I can see how it might be frustrating playing with him when he gets tunnel vision. I think that's fair. And I think you can actually probably see a little bit of the frustration at times when Jordan Clarkson dribbles around and, you know, Dribbles the air out of the ball, and ends up taking kind of a tough shot. Now, what's unbelievable is how often he makes those tough shots, getting into the paint, sweeping across the lane, kind of throwing something up and either drawing a foul or getting to the rim. He's really good at that, and it's why he won the sixth man of the year last year. But I've seen it too, and I've kind of wondered that same question. In fact, I've wondered it so much, I asked former jazz man George Niang about it last year. Uh, what's it like to play along? Clarks, uh, alongside Jordan Clarkson, you know, what does he offer? And I was trying to do it politely and not say like, hey, is it hard when he does that? But like, what's it like being next to a guy who gets that many shots up? And I'll just read you exactly what he said. Uh, He said, Jordan Clarkson gives you a barrage of points out of nowhere. You literally throw the ball to him and he makes something happen. He's making other teams over help and drawing two defenders. So where the Jazz don't have a lot of guys, and maybe Jared Butler changes that now, but where the Jazz haven't had a lot of guys to... Uh, create off the bench remember I mean how dreadful they were the reason they traded for Jordan Clarkson is the first place is they just couldn't score in that second unit they thought Jeff Green was going to be able to do it and he didn't uh, a couple of seasons ago Jordan Clarkson comes in and just you have to worry about him you have to think about him you have to focus on him you have to throw not just one defender at him but multiple defenders at him and some nights it's great and some nights it's not as great but I do think he makes his teammates lives easier when he's on the floor Especially for guys who are out there trying to space the floor, so you know Joe Ingalls, if he he ends up on the floor with him, Donovan Mitchell who played quite a bit with him last season could make Hassan Whiteside's life a little bit easier. Should take a lot of attention off Rudy Gay if they end up in the rotation together at times this year. So I, I do think Jordan Clarkson, despite some of those obvious flaws of, of getting tunnel vision, I think he's still very helpful and more helpful than he is hurtful. And I think guys a love him the person and understandably so. He's very enjoyable but b i think they actually do really like playing with him despite some of those flaws that you mentioned i think it's a fair question uh but when i've talked to guys about it even though i don't think they would necessarily come out and say hey he needs to pass the ball more if it's a problem guys will say hey i need the ball more or we need to move the ball in the second unit more i've not heard anyone say that because i think people like jordan clarkson so much and i think he uh i think he actually plays to the jazz strengths when he's on the floor and the floor is he needs the ball in his hand so he can shoot and score uh, all right next question uh john Randek says let's imagine the jazz are going to need to get through the lakers the suns and the nets perhaps all three to win the title and somehow none of those teams have major injuries in the playoffs somehow the jazz beat them all how do they do it who grew and what was better than last year so i'm going to invert your question really quick because i think it's a little bit of a flawed basis uh and that's the idea that The Lakers were unbeatable or are unbeatable, the Suns are unbeatable, and the Nets are unbeatable. First of all, none of those teams won the championship last year, so maybe the Bucs need to be included in this conversation because they had you know, the best player in the world last season in in Giannis Antetokounmpo, and they have just really good role players all around him, uh, including Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, who are all-star level players. So um, let's answer your question, though, by flipping it. The Lakers might beat themselves because they have Russell Westbrook, and Russell Westbrook has done that to his teams. Uh, The Jazz have seen it up close when they played the Oklahoma City Thunder. In the playoffs, Thunder had home court advantage. They had a one-game lead in that series, and they still couldn't find a way to get it done. Why? Because Russell Westbrook can shoot you out of a game. You know, he can try and do so much that he ends up costing you, and and sometimes in the regular season, he's that one-man wrecking crew and the walking triple-double who does it all, and then sometimes he's just a mess and he doesn't help you win games. And, and it's sometimes a blessing and sometimes it's a curse. So I think with those things, I think they're trying to bet that their chemistry will come together really quickly. I don't know if that's going to work as perfectly as they do, but they overhauled everybody on their roster. I mean, everybody they relied on last season is basically gone other than LeBron and Anthony Davis. Now, if LeBron's fully healthy, for the most part, nobody in the history of the NBA, other than the Golden State Warriors, has proven they can beat him consistently, and even then he made it close, and he did beat them one year. So, you know, if LeBron's fully healthy and hasn't taken a step back, which there's no reason to to believe he has at this point, the Lakers are going to be really tough, but Russell Westbrook could get in the way of that. The Suns are interesting, and, and, you know, uh, you have to give the Suns their credit. They were great last year. They made a run to the finals. They also beat the Jazz three games last year. Let's look at those three games. First of all, they beat the Jazz like the fourth game of the season. Remember the Jazz started 2 and 2. They were 2 and 0 on the road. Then they came back to Salt Lake City and lost their first two games. They lost to the Timberwolves and they lost to the Suns and you know, the Jazz really didn't hit their stride last season until about game 9 or 10 when they beat the Milwaukee Bucks on the road and then went on just that crazy tear. So, they tend kind to of beat the Jazz early before the Jazz were what we knew the Jazz to be. Uh, the times they faced out the, each other fully healthy, the Jazz went on the road and lost to the Suns in overtime. I think it was 17-13. to 13. Donovan Mitchell went off. Uh, Jazz had a couple of bad performances on the roster, as does everybody, obviously, in every game. But the Jazz were in that conversation to win that game on the road with Phoenix when Phoenix was playing some of their best basketball, and the Jazz were playing good too. If that game's in Salt Lake, Jazz probably win because they're playing in front of their home crowd, but they were on the road in Phoenix. Uh, so a tough one. But overtime, that's as close as it gets. Then the Jazz lost the last game of the season, and they got blown out, but they didn't have Mike Conley or Donovan Mitchell. Like, who cares? You know, that that you're not going to count that game the same way if the Jazz were to beat the Suns without Chris Paul and Devin Booker, and they only had DeAndre Ayton to roll out there. Like, nobody cares that you beat the Suns at that point, so... I don't really care that the Suns beat the Jazz. Uh, I certainly wouldn't if I was a Jazz fan as far as saying, hey, you know, if you're measuring these two teams against one another, throw that game out. That game doesn't matter. So you had an early game. Early games are always weird in the season. You had an overtime game. That's as close as it gets. And then you had a throwaway game. So head-to-head, I don't know. I think the Jazz can probably beat them in a seven-game series, but they were obviously pretty good last year towards the, uh, the end of the year. Let's look at their finals run. They beat the Lakers, they beat the Denver Nuggets, and they beat the Clippers. And, the, you know, the Jazz couldn't beat the Clippers, and, the, and the, uh, the, the Suns did, so credit to them. But, you know, the Lakers didn't have Anthony Davis, certainly not a healthy Anthony Davis, and, and he didn't finish the, the series by playing. They beat the Denver Nuggets without Jamal Murray. Uh, he got hurt early in the season and didn't finish, didn't play at all in the playoffs. And then they beat the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard. So, you know, they were good they had to beat those teams. Again, one of those teams beat the Jazz without Kawhi Leonard for the last two games of the series, uh, but still found a way to get it done. But, you know, if the Jazz had had a fully healthy Donovan Mitchell or a fully healthy Mike Conley or both of them, the way the Suns were healthy throughout the playoffs, for the most part, uh, you know, do the Jazz lose to the Clippers? I'm not so sure they do. They were up 2-0 with a healthier Donovan Mitchell before he really got banged up, even with Mike Conley, uh, out of the rotation. So, uh Donovan clearly got worse as the playoffs went went on. He went knee to knee with uh, Paul George, and that really seemed to change the uh, the dynamic of the series. So, the Suns are good. Their run to the finals was great. You can't take it away from them. But I, I don't know if I just expect because they're coming back next year that they're a favorite to get out of the West again. They had to have some stars aligned to get where they got. uh so I think that's that's interesting. And then when it comes to the Nets. They're the most talented team in the NBA. It's the reason in the recent uh, GM survey they were picked to win the the championship. There's no one can compete with their top three except for their top three. And what I mean by that is those guys have found a way to beat themselves in the past. And and certainly Kevin Durant, the least of all of them. Kevin Durant's the most you know gifted scorer in the NBA today, probably. But James Harden's been up in series. James Harden's been playing against the Golden State Warriors when they were beat up. Didn't have Kevin Durant. You know, had torn his Achilles. And they had Chris Paul and looked like they were the favorite to get out of a series and and win a game. And they couldn't figure out a way to do it. Like, I I don't know if it's a mental problem, but whatever reason, James Harden at the helm just couldn't get it done. Last year, they probably should have beaten Milwaukee, even without Kyrie Irving. And they didn't do it. So there's an issue there. And then, of course, there's the Kyrie Irving factor, which is very significant. Kyrie Irving has become as big a distraction as he has a talent. Just that, that every day you have to talk about him being unwilling to come to the 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 games or unable to come to the games because he won't get vaccinated. Whatever your thoughts are on vaccinations, it's a distraction inside that locker room. And if he can only play road games or if he can't play at home or if he's not going to play at home, you're not going to win a championship without him. You couldn't beat the Bucks last year without him. So I, I think realistically that's a distraction. And I'm not sure that Kevin Durant or James Harden or Kyrie Irving are mentally tough enough as leaders, or Steve Nash is a brand new coach uh, with just one year under his belt. I just don't know if that's the team that can withstand that type of adversity, especially when it's you know, self-created, when they're putting it on themselves. It's internal. It's not like you know, someone outside is causing them this trouble. They're causing it for themselves. That usually tends to be a red flag. So if they can get it all together, they're the favorite to win a championship. If they don't, I think they could beat themselves. So that's kind of – it's how those teams are going to beat themselves that the Jazz will get past them more so necessarily than, hey, the Jazz made these drastic improvements with Rudy Gay or Hassan Whiteside or Jared Butler, and that's what's going to push them over the top. Jazz will have another year of chemistry. That'll help. Hopefully they're healthier. That should help. Otherwise, you're going to need those other teams to have some fatal flaws that you can exploit, and I think that's one of the things the Jazz are going to be counting on. All right, I'll try and answer a couple of other questions here that I didn't answer in the article. I appreciate everybody uh, sending them in, as always. Miles Newby, who will the Jazz sign to their second two-way contract? Guy might already be on the roster. Could be Maceo Oteague. Could be Malik Fitz, uh, who played well in, in the loss at Dallas. He hit those four threes. Uh, that was impressive. The Jazz don't really have... Uh, a, a stretch for who can hit threes at that level that's not named on Bogdanovich. You know, Royce O'Neal can really shoot, but he's not necessarily four threes a night guy. Rudy Gay's good, but he's not four threes a night guy. Can Malik Fitz be that person? And you sign him to a, you know, a two-way contract that, that sh- to give him a chance to prove that he can actually do it at a high level. And then can he be your next George Niang, maybe a little bit more athletic? Uh, there's value in that. So keep an eye on him. The fact that they didn't fill it immediately makes me think that, uh, that uh that justin james didn't either fit or or had a better option we just haven't heard about it yet uh but but something happened there that jazz liked him and then decided to move in a different direction so quickly uh jake on twitter do you know any plans the organization has to honor mark eaton they did in the playoffs last year because uh, remember they're playing memphis when, when mark passed away unfortunately uh and they kind of they they, they did a, a moment of silence i don't know if they're going to do any big things beyond that uh, it's been a weird, sad story. It came at a horrible time when obviously our country's going through so much, and the world's going through so much, and uh, it's just been incredibly unfortunate. That was a that was a huge loss for the organization. I imagine they'll try and find some way to uh, to continue to honor him. Maybe they put a jersey patch on. I think that'd be a nice touch. But certainly, we haven't seen it yet in the preseason. That looks like all the questions for me today. Find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. Read me at KSLSports.com. Again, download the KSL Sports app, and uh, we'll be back with you again next week.